Hello fellow sim racers and welcome to the fifth instalment of Talking Sims. Today I'm joined by the one and only Mr. Paul Jeffrey, who you probably all know from Race Department. Paul and I are the commentary team for the SRO Esport GT series and with the grand final coming up on Saturday the 28th I thought it would be a great time to sit down and talk through all things sim with my co-commentator and partner in crime. Thank you for joining me, Paul. How are you doing, mate? Hello, fellow sim racer. I knew you Mr. were going to say. I knew you were going to say that <laughs> straight away. I think this is. I think you've set the tone for the whole thing there in the first four seconds. Thank are you, you trying for... to suggest that maybe I'm not that serious? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I had an expectation of what this was going to be like, and you haven't disappointed. Let's uh, thank you, my Let's friend. put it that way. Right. Let's let's try and get like one serious question out of the way. Just one. That's, that's all I ask. So I guess... Oh, I'll off with that then. <laughs> a lot of people already know you, man. Uh, but for those that don't, maybe you could give uh, the audience a little bit of background about your involvement in motorsport, sim racing, and I guess ultimately race department. Cool. Okay. Well, hello, everybody. Hello, Chris Hayes, uh, Chris Hayes crowd. <laughs> Hope you're all all right. Uh, my name's Paul Jeffrey. I'm, uh, I've got the illustrious title of editor-in-chief uh, for race department com uh what that means that means is i'm a sucker for using all my free time up to do sim race the motorsport <laughs> stuff rather than any qualifications or deserving uh of that role and yeah uh i've been buddying it we are mr chris and uh, we've been traveling globe trotting around europe at various different seat free venues uh for <laughs> sro esports series and the blind pan gt and uh when i'm not doing that i'm uh follow it worlder really virtual motorsport putting some news together, occasionally doing the odd video and uh, just basking in the glory of our wonderful hobby. Cool, man. Uh, what, what, uh, what, I mean, what got you into sim racing to start with? Uh, not having enough money to go motor racing, <laughs> really. Uh, I'm a lifelong motorsport fan. Uh, my dad brought me up on the world of Formula One and that sort of thing. Uh, so I clearly remember uh, Mansell waving to the crowd at Canada 91 and flicking the ignition switch and Go allegedly catching the addictions <laughs> at Twitch and uh, stumble into a halt at the hairpin. And uh, I've always loved it, but I've I come without playing the world's smallest violin. I uh, come from a kind of background where it's never been realistic to to aspire to go racing and all that kind of thing. So in terms of getting behind wheel, I was quite late in my life uh, when I went out with some mates and discovered karting and hooked completely on the driving aspect of it, uh, as well as the spectating. And then uh, got married, bought a house, had a kid, got all the usual expenditure that comes uh, with life, and uh, sort of realized I wasn't going to go racing. And then one day out at my, my in-law's house, uh, we'd been visiting, and they had a computer in the corner at the time, and we didn't have the internet at home. So I kind of like scouting around on it, just wasting time, really, to save talking to anybody. And... Uh, found found a little write-up about R Factor 1. And it said, like, oh, we've got every car and every track from every series ever existed. And at the time, I had a bit of an obsession with the Argentinian TC2000 series uh, through Autosport. I'm like, whoa, there's a, there's a car from this in this computer game. And I'm a firm believer at that time that PCs and computers are for nerds. And I don't want things like that. I want beer and girls uh, and all that good stuff. So... It was not in my landscape whatsoever. So I did a bit more digging 
uh, fans like GTR 2, Race 07, GT Legends, uh, the old F1 Legends as well, and, and, and a few other bits, and thought, wow, this is amazing. Went out, got myself, uh, well, found a desk in a, in a skip. Bless you. Everyone likes to skip fine. Uh, got a Logitech G25 strapped to it, a monitor probably as big as a modern phone, and uh, fell in love. Absolutely <laughs> fell in love with the idea. Spa with 64 cars, Chris, you'll know this. 64 cars at Spa in GTR2 is, uh, oh, and you don't look back after that. I like that you got involved at, at R Factor 1, uh, and I guess it's probably all been downhill from there. I mean, you, you know, you're sort of... <laughs> You came, you came in at the uh, one of the real peaks of, of sim racing. I think it's taken. Uh, I, I'm already going off notes, and we're going off. I think it. Our factor one was a real high point, and then we had a little bit of a trough afterwards. And it's taken a while to get back there. I think so. Uh, I do think we're well, back I've there never, though. Well, I, we're getting there. I mean, it's been weird to see because I'm one of these kind of guys that. If I get into something, I immerse myself into it, get into it fully, look at its history and its future. I don't like... I have some friends at work who like Formula 1, but they've been into it three or four years, but they've got no idea who Juan Montoya is uh, because they only know what happened from the set interested and nothing that goes before. So I kind of looked at what went before and I've been deeply involved in it since then and I've never known anything, sport, gaming leisure entertainment whatever that regresses so it's like oh wow gtr2 <laughs> massive grids night and day weather pit crews remember those yeah. actual people and then they all vanished and we had less and less but we've still got turbo lag and chassis flex so you win on one <laughs> and you lose on another but yeah it's just it's amazing but like you said chris if for me it's so it's coming back to that peak again now really really quickly i think and the devs I often see this at RD when I post an article, and people are very keen, understandably, human nature, to look at what we've not got and bemoan the fact we don't have it. But, I mean, we live in a world where people don't sell that many copies, let's be honest. They're not making millions. But they're detailing things like turbo, like I said, turbo lag, chassis flex, the minute things that 90% of the world won't care about. But for me, I love a blog from Aris in Kunos. Oh, God, where yeah. puts that, That's amazing, isn't it? It's just... Oh, Look at that. Wow, just the stuff, the level of detail. It's a golden period, personally, I think, definitely, and getting better, hopefully. For sure. Um, you, you touched on something there, which was about uh, your interest in Formula One from the early 90s. And I think that's going to make a nice, clumsy segue into the next thing I want to talk <laughs> about, which is I want to go through some of the events uh, this year that we've experienced in the SRO eSports series, because I think there's a lot of fun stories there that, that we need to tell the public that I haven't is this, been... Uh, has this got an age rating on it, though? So do we need to hear? <laughs> I think there's a really, really strong chance that there, there may be some colourful uh, anecdotes in the next few minutes. But, um, no, uh, where I was going with that was uh, was Monza. The first time I met you, Paul, uh, this year, we, uh, we met at Heathrow Airport, and within about 90 seconds, you'd brought up uh, Maurizio Guzelman, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and I sort of thought, you know what? I was a bit concerned going into this. I'm going to have to commentate with a guy that I only know through his internet videos. Am I, are we going to get on? Is there going to be a rapport? Is it going to be okay? And I thought at that moment, oh, Jesus, we're just going to be talking about the 1993 <laughs> Formula One season for the next uh, next 24 years aren't we <laughs> it's been great it has. you're the only bloke in the world and i class people in this segment i'm saying the people that were actually there at the time still don't know what i'm talking about but you're the only guy that i can say something 
obscure to about motorsport. I, not only do you know what I'm talking about, you're actually authoritative on the subject, and we can have a back <laughs> well, and forth. I don't know about authoritative, but I just, I just sort of, I remember, I remember some of the really shit tier stuff uh, excuse that's probably the first time i've ever sworn on the channel i've done badly you've brought out my bad cycle apologies I've corrupted to chris hay apologies <laughs> to people that don't like that kind of thing but oh well now you know the truth um, anyway monza uh was the first event this year we went and sort of into the unknown i think with this series uh kunos I think decided or were got involved in the project at quite a late date. Uh, the game wasn't completed at that stage. They were still on version 0.8, I think, or 0.7 even. Uh, so they tied it up with the ACC media press release thing. So there were a bunch of influencers there. Um, and we just sort of turned up in, I think, what you could describe as the most beautiful little building thing in the world. And yeah. uh, what did you make? What did you make of that, Paul? My overriding memory of Monza was the suspiciously heavy slant towards fish products on the <laughs> uh, on, on the food table. Because, like I say, it's first time we'd met. We, we were, I think it's fair to say we were both absolutely buzzing about the fact that we're at Monza at a race event working, and uh, it was kind of you know this is on video. People it? people can see the the hand motions, Paul. That's okay, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just, we were, I think we were a bit blown away by it all. And it's just like you said, the venue we were in, absolutely gorgeous. And the kind of place that you don't get into unless you've got some kind of official capacity, uh, which was a real buzz for me because I've been to a ton of races, never abroad, admittedly. But I love the access to the the real side of things mm. that we get by being there and being like an unofficial capacity. Well, for, for, for those that haven't seen uh, through social media and, and my videos and stuff, uh, the venue itself, we had one entire glass wall of this building uh, just viewed out onto, I don't mean viewed the pit exit, the pit lane. It was the exit, the pit exit. There was, yeah. there's this glass wall. There's two feet of, of tarmac and then you've got gt3 cars going past and i rewatched some of the the monza coverage recently uh of the stream that we did and there are numerous points during the race where i'm on camera just casually looking <laughs> around at these gt3 cars going behind uh, it's like highly when you professional. say don't stare at the sun don't <laughs> stare at the sun it'll burn your retinas <laughs> and you can't resist it because it's just so glorious that it's yeah. there and if we can do that, Chris, if we can do that, we can also sit next to a Ferrari GT3 car blipping its throttling garage while trying to do a job. <laughs> we can do anything. We've got well, the no fun fear. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I think Monza was the quietest of all the places we broadcasted from this year, despite only being about four feet away from the cars. But yeah, we'll, we'll get onto that when we talk about some of the later events. Um, another override, I mean, we should talk about some of the races a little bit. The thing that impressed me most about Monza from the uh, the esports perspective was a guy called Kamil Franchek, who yeah. totally, totally dominated uh, both his heat and the race. I think we, we had a situation where everyone sort of gravitated towards the Lamborghini because that's the car they qualified in. And this was version, as I said, 0.7. So like half the cars weren't available. And Camel bucked the trend, went with the Emil Frey Jag and was just putting a second a lap on everyone. And, uh, well, we just saw in Nürburgring last weekend in the wet, 
in uh, in the Lexus he took in the end, which was a car no one else could get to work in the wet. He was putting two or three seconds a lap on the field. That guy's special. He's the full package. From what I've seen of him, the way he carries himself around the eSport arena, the performances that he puts in when he's out on track, the way he just speaks to... And just, he's got a presence about him, I think, without sort of getting too overexcited about him. But he's got a presence in himself and the way he carries it. He looks like a professional. He acts like a professional. But when he gets on track, he's just got... Certainly the two times that we've seen him race, which is obviously a small amount compared to his entire racing history, he's just got everything on the button. He doesn't look hurried. He doesn't look flustered. I mean, at uh, the last round in Germany, he was harrying uh, the car in front, uh, Pavlovsky, so long, but he knew his place. There's no dive bombs. There were no stupid moves. There are a few times where he kind of got alongside and in different circumstances other drivers may have just rolled the dice but he's professional enough to know that not only does he back out of that incident but he also lines himself up to see if he can make use of uh, a faster exit in t1 in particular there are a few times his front wheel will level with a back wheel of the car in front he backed out of it went wide and then tried to get a switch back and get a run in a safer part of the track and for me I mean, we've talked about this, Chris, before with Steve, haven't we? And we've had a we've had a few articles up about the subject as well. A lot of sim racers or esporters or whatever you want to call it often apply a set of rules in esport and sim racing that aren't the same as the real world. So there's there's no <coughs> excuse me, there's no consequence realistically in terms of injury or damage. So sometimes you see some things happening when you're doing public lobbies or club races or whatever, where people put the cars in a position that they wouldn't do on a racetrack. And what I liked about Kemble was he seemed to have that kind of racer's instinct that you can see that something's probably not going to pan out too well. Like the opposite of Max Verstappen. You can see something's <laughs> not going to pan, pan out too well. So he came out of it and looked for a more sensible opportunity. And I respect that hugely because uh, I'm a big fan of the saying that... Uh, it's not the fastest person that wins the race. It's the person who makes the fewest mistakes. And he feels to me like one of those kind of drivers. So big future, I think, for that chap. Yeah, no, uh, definitely. I wasn't expecting such a thorough answer there, Paul. I thought you were going to say, yeah, he was good. And, uh, yeah, and le leave fast. it at that. Uh, the other thing from Monza, I mean, there are a couple of little bits from Monza that we should probably mention. Uh, it's my first time meeting Josh Martin, who is, uh, I'm recording this show with him on, on Friday. We're going to talk about some of the business of putting on um, live events in sim racing, both sort of esports and commercial stuff. He's got some interesting insight into that. Was a racer himself, uh, has been pretty entertaining the entire time we've been involved but i think uh the lasting memories of uh monza for me relate to well the town of bergamo uh, <laughs> and a little a little pizza shop uh, <laughs> that we discovered uh which uh, do you think is this are we are we able to tell this story sensibly without getting my channel blacklisted uh that could be one of the most challenging things of the week to achieve <laughs> that, but uh, it was it was very much not an authentic Italian pizza restaurant. <laughs> it was not it was not as one would describe the most romantic of settings for us to uh, to continue our journey. Steve I mean, tried his best on the uh, the, rom the romance side. 
serenading random people uh, <laughs> with Disney with Disney songs, but there was there, there was the distinct aroma of leaking gas yeah. in uh, in the area, which may have made things so much more funny than in reality they actually were. And there were also a, a den of iniquity uh, next door, which was interesting. So uh, a, a venue where where single gentlemen may go and enjoy the pleasure of other people's company for a <laughs> on a on a on a rate by the thirty or the sixty minutes, uh, which was interesting and took us a while to work out what that was. Uh, there was a, there was a minor in. minor translation issue because of the uh, the Chinese characters involved. Something about <laughs> Tuna Palace. Tudor Palace, yes, Tuna where, Palace. You, where, where you too, for just 30 euros, can have a 25-minute sensitive tuna <laughs> rub, which, uh, which, to be fair, that kind of aroused our suspicion a little bit, that maybe this is not some kind of fish eatery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think steering, there, steering right? the conversation in a slightly uh, more wholesome direction, I did manage to uh, pick up a copy of Pizza and Pasta <laughs> magazine. Uh, from this eatery, which I've treasured, uh, and I thought I would, uh, I'd, I'd just keep hold of that for uh, for now. I think that's got to go in a frame, Chris. That's got to go in a frame <laughs> in the man cave. That's I'm, just I'm, got legend. I'm going to frame every single page individually. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, Autograph it. Is... That can be Chris oh. Hay merch. Autograph <laughs> it, and you can send it out because you've got like 50 pages of yep. wholesome Italian uh, pizza and pasta news yeah. with the Chris Hay signature on. I'm not sure the uh, the in joke would really stretch that far. And given that we are on the subject of in jokes, let's let's move on before any more of that story of that particular evening in that pizza bar uh, unveils itself. Poor Ricard was up next, which I think I think it's fair to say was a bit of an eye opener for for both you and I. I th- I've said it on this channel before, and uh, you said it on your your write up. But uh, we both had to really eat humble pie on that one, didn't we? I think. We both expected it to be rubbish, and well, what did you think of it, Paul? Surprise of the season, without any shadow of a doubt. I had uh, preconceived ideas going into Paul Ricard, so I looked at the schedule. Monza, obviously, absolutely buzzing. It's a legendary circuit, so much history. Uh, Spa, Spa, enough said. Nürburgring, again, it's got the big track on it. It's just a beautiful venue I've been before, really like it. And Barcelona, Again, Barcelona's a beautiful city. But Paul Ricard kind of, I weren't really excited about. I think it's a, it feels, it's always felt like a bit of a boring track to me. I don't like the blue striping that they've done. It's lost its character. But yeah, blown away. I mean, the weather were glorious. The track is basically put in the middle of a postcard on the top of a mountain. It's just the most visually amazing place in the world. And then, it's just a pie atmosphere. I mean, Steve, at one stage, we'd, we'd finished our work for the day. We'd had a drink. We'd been to a party <laughs> on a rooftop in a massive multi-million-pound multi, multi pound racetrack. And Steve's like, oh, this is awesome. It's just like a house party. <laughs> and like, what house party do you ever go to? <laughs> I've been to a few and then nothing like this. But, yes, Chris, honestly, I blew me away that the on the rooftop, of the pit building. You've got the music, the cocktails. I've seen your video where you've done the light atmospherics for it. So you've got all that going off. One side of you, you've got a beautiful overview of the paddock. And I love a racing paddock when everything's finished and people are working. And I love that Ted Kravitz time sort of atmosphere. And then to the other side, you've got a really good view of some really wicked GT3 cars <laughs> racing at night time. And you've got a beer in your hand. I mean, talk about living dream. What a place. 
Yeah, it's no nice. chairs though. No, well, no that chairs. is on my, my no list chairs. of discussion points for, for Paul Ricard is, <laughs> is the lack of chairs. Maybe we'll circle back to that. But it was nice to get onto the uh, the podium as well uh, right yeah. at the end. There yeah, there were so many amazing things that happened. But for me, Bentley win, podium, uh, Chris Harris won in the McLaren as well. So that was, you know, that was a bit, that was a bit okay. special. I know we're, we're in the grounds of talking a bit uh, just insular here and just talking about how how great that weekend was but yeah, we've God. had a wonderful weekend no 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 <laughs> yeah no yeah uh sorry, sorry about that guys yeah. if, if it's, it's coming across a bit like that uh paul will yeah, change wait to win viewers there Chris. Yeah, look what we've done look what we <laughs> yeah bad, bad times but all for uh, a good cause the ballot yeah all for a good cause and the balance i mean paul ricard was excellent but not if you wanted to sit down no there was, I mean, it, just to, to put some context on this, it was warmer than the face of the sun. It was a, an incredibly, it was, south of France is like basically gorgeous all time. So it was another perfect clear blue sky weekend, like really beautiful. And when you're doing the, the job that Chris and I have been doing, so you had the commentary, doing some pieces to camera, and then just generally, because the, the series was in its infancy at that point, there's still... Uh, some scheduling or some formatting things that were that you could alter on the fly a little bit. So it's not just rock up, do your job, get off again. There's a lot of engagement, sort of like talking to Kevin from Kunos about what we can and can't achieve, and the guys like Alessio Davide and a few others, and the drivers, of course, and all that good stuff. So you're on your feet, Chris, aren't you all the time? You're, mm. you're thinking, you're on your tiptoes all the time, thinking, engaging. And then obviously, for Chris and I, it's like a basically second broadcast for me certainly second broadcast ever so in that a lot of like certainly tension. in that sort of situation yeah yeah yes yeah. so there's a lot of tension and there's a lot of you you want to do a good job and a professional job you see the work and the energy and the effort that's gone into getting you to the point where you're in front of that camera and that's if you let yourself think about it, that's quite a big pressure because basically all that goodness can come down to nothing if you freeze or you make a mistake or something goes belly up. See, I wish you hadn't so, said any of this because I haven't had any of these thoughts. I haven't thought about any of that. <laughs> get... uh, think about this for Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> make no mistakes, it's the final. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just, it's all of that. And even if it's subconscious, that's quite a wearing uh, experience. But the bit you don't see on the camera is the downtime periods. There's a lot of uh, where you're not needed, but it's 4,000 degrees outside. So you don't want to sweat because you're going to be on screen soon. And yeah, not having a seat <laughs> or a cost-effective beverage option is, uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it, but that... there were there were no seats like anywhere at that venue. There's one little drink stand. Well, there were two, but one was for VIPs only. There's like one little shack selling eight euro cokes with like six seats outside of it and that's the entire oh, seating for the 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 vip area and the paddock area and everything though, Chris, else in, uh... there was secret sofa we found oh. secret sofa which is like a three-man chase lounge <laughs> type seat thing oh we were absolutely cock a hoop it was close enough to where we were that we could get to it it would need loose so you've got all <laughs> everything a man needs to enjoy downtime <laughs> and then in the middle of a racetrack, in a paddock, it just vanished. It just literally like, oh, come on, let's go and sit down. What? It's, <laughs> when, there's, there's one point of egress, and that's through the gaming park. And no one saw it. Nobody went with it on the head and walked past us. It just ceased to exist. 
It was. I don't think it were real. I think we'd got sunstroke. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just imagined it was there. But, yeah, uh, so comment in the comment section down below if you can explain why a, why a three-person settee would just vanish into thin air at a racetrack. Or we don't where know. all of the chairs in the south of France are, because, they, I mean, <laughs> they must have some. I mean, Stefan Rattel somewhere sat basking <laughs> in the glory of 15,000 chairs. <laughs> this is my empire. <laughs> I just like the idea that he flies out from the racetrack on his helicopter to his warehouse full of chairs. That's right. That's well, that's where it's going to be next season when Blank Pan goes. It's going to be the uh, look at all my chairs GT3 series. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to the DLC pack from Kunos. Yeah, just, no. oh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of DLC, oh. I tell you what, we we can we can do our friends at Kunos a bit of a a bit of a, a bit of a thing here because they've just announced uh, the Intercontinental GT uh, DLC pack, which will be coming sometime. Uh, oh man, I wish we knew some details because uh, you know yeah. we we could give some real insight here. But the only insight I can give is what's in the press release. We we've known about it for a little while, and I think it's been. I think everyone sort of expected that it was going to come because how could you not have that engine, those cars, and a license that really hints that you're going to go and throw Suzuka and Bathurst and Kyle Army and Laguna Seca as well. People haven't been talking about Laguna Seca, but uh, you know that's that's worth having as well. <laughs> They're brilliant tracks. I, it, it's interesting because, like you say, we've we've had some idea for a little while now but a lot of people a lot of noise in the community was this is going to be uh blank pan gt3 only mm. and i think the the giveaways being the the uh amount of noise around the sro aspect of it so it's really exciting to see the first indication that it's going to be more than just the 2018 and 2019 blank pan series that actually it could potentially start incorporating more stuff and Intercontinental GT Challenge is uh, cars are probably the same, but the tracks, man. Kyle Army. Kyle Army has been resurfaced as well. It's been significantly upgraded. So, really stoked about that one. Kyle Army's a great underrated little racetrack. So, and Suzuka. Suzuka in laser scan with yeah. good physics yeah. and all the <laughs> bits that come with it. Super happy about that. Yeah, I think, you know, outside of iRacing, Suzuka's been a bit of a bit of a miss in in a lot of in a lot of racing sims over the last decade at least so it's really nice to see it in it done justice i mean yeah, again iRacing has a good laser scan of it but 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 that's about it so for those of us that like racing against the ai or uh just aren't into the iRacing thing you know let's have well, at it's just it. the thing as well you've got last you've got the the weather and the t- time of day as well so the idea is suzuka with a big grid of cars <laughs> at night time in rain oh Oh, that's going to be uh, <laughs> absolutely bring some spare trousers because yeah. you're going to need them. That's going to be, it's going to be, I can't wait for that. Can't, you, but I like, well, I mean, I don't like Bathurst, funnily enough, but uh, I respect it, but I just don't, just don't like it. But uh, so I'm looking forward to it to see what it's like. But Suzuka for me is one of my favorite tracks in the world. I'm kind Chris, of with, big, big, I'm gone. Go no, 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 no. no I, I was going to say, I'm kind of with you about Bathurst, uh, Mount Panorama, you know. The middle section, of, the middle section of the lap, is fantastic. It's utterly breathtakingly brilliant. But then you have got the final sector, which is a whacking great long straight where you've eventually got a break, which in a GT3 car isn't much. Then you have got a couple of left and right hand ninety degree corners that you know no one really cares about them on any race circuit. Then you've got another forty five mile long straight, and then you get back to sector two again. It just, that sector two is enough yeah. to put it 
I mean, it's still in my probably top 10 tracks in the world, but that's just because of the strength of Sector 2 versus the weakness of, like, 1 and 3, you know? It's awesomeness with Mickey Mouseness bolted onto it to get to it, isn't it? And that's that's what's always bugged me. It's just, I hope I've there aren't any had... Australians that, that listen to this channel because uh, they're oh, not going to like this, are, are, are you suggesting that all Australians are excessively, excessively impressed with Mount Panorama and have some kind of patron <laughs> against it? Is that what you're saying, Chris? Pray tell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that I think all sim racers do, so I'm going to get in trouble. Yeah, for I'm going to get in trouble for this opinion anyway. Uh, you're not. You're a guest here. They'll be nice to you. <laughs> no, they won't. They'll come and find me in the comment section of ID and start taking it. It's all good stuff. Really. <laughs> no, I do like it, though. Jokes aside, I do. I like Bathurst. I just don't love it the way some people some people do. But then again, put me in a V8 supercar and uh, send me on my way, and I'm sure I'll find a special place in my heart for it. Uh, Chris, on that, I'll oh, go on, go on. Oh, yeah. we've done it again on the same topic. Yeah. Sorry, man. My fault, my fault. Your, my your fault. turn. Because they've got the Intercontinental GT Challenge series, do you think we should push in Barcelona to do the official eSports series of it and go fly over to Suzuka for three days? I think and, that's a really, commentate. really strong plan, Paul. Um, I like it. I like it. I mean, I you know, you'd, you'd, also have to do, you'd also have to do California and uh, you know, South Africa. and I've forgotten what the fourth one is. I've got it's uh, my mind's blanked. We were talking about it a minute ago, but my mind is completely blanked. Suzuka, uh, Bathurst, Laguna, Kyalame. Kyalame, that's four. Yeah, I, I just can't count. Yeah, four. That's for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad we did that on there. I'm going to leave that in because uh, I don't believe in editing unless I say something really incriminating. So just not being able to count to four is fine. What I was going to say, Paul, is that it's uh, it's funny you say, oh, put me in a, a V8 supercar and I'll probably work, find something special about it. Something you said before, uh, as probably most people know, that uh, both Paul and I got a chance to do some some uh, time on the Nordschleifer in, in a Golf R uh, a couple of weeks ago, which was all we've talked about since. We've become incredibly boring, single-topic human <laughs> beings. But... Well, what's really interesting is that uh, just about a week before that, I can't remember if it was you or Bram, uh, and for those that don't know, Bram's uh, owner, head honcho at RD, one or other of you, and I think it was you, were saying, oh, I'm not sure how much I'll really enjoy driving that. We had a really good time having a having a taxi lap, and I think you're just driving it yourself, you won't be able to get that sort of speed and attack out of it. And, you know, I'm not sure if it'll be a really great feeling. Was that you? Yeah. Yeah, it changed, was me, yeah. yeah changed absolutely. your mind somewhat, didn't you? Mahusifly, yeah. <laughs> I uh, that I got that one so far wrong. It's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, I mean, don't get me wrong. With the best will in the world, we're going to get nowhere near the limit oh, of the taxi course, lap yeah. in 2017. Nowhere near it. And I think they've both got, uh, way to put it, they've both got merit. Doing both is going to be a barnstorming example. But, dude, just get in that car and putting your foot down and going, <laughs> oh god that 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 still tickles my fancy even now i really I, loved, it. loved I, it did you we haven't had a chance to speak about this uh specific aspect but i came away from that thinking i'm so glad we did that with an instructor i sort of thought about it afterwards and there's 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 a nice thing to, about doing it on your own and being able to find your own pace and what have you but Having an instructor there, and uh, particularly the guy uh, that that was in the car with you, because I, I jumped in the back, so I'd uh, had a flavour of a, a, a flavour of a few man. instructors, uh, and the guy uh, you had, whose name escapes me right now, uh, was yes, Costas um, was 
just so really on it with his instructions. I mean, he was he was and he was pushing you hard right from the get go as well. And you didn't have to worry about it. I meant you just didn't have to think about things like, oh, okay, there's there's traffic coming off in the distance. And, he, uh, and you know, what if you miss the turn in marker here? Because Lord knows it's nothing like being on the simulator. <laughs> you know? I mean, it, it's weird because it, you recognize everything. Uh, well, yeah, actually, you had a slightly different appearance, uh, opinion of that to me, but I recognised everything. I knew where I was, and I sort of felt I could concentrate on the lines, and I had a, a reasonable idea, other than where my own sort of uh, human instincts were telling me to do other things. But uh, yeah, other than that, it's nothing like The Sims. So, it will. I, I agree wholeheartedly with you that having an instructor was epic. It were great to have uh, somebody because there's a lot of parts of the track where you can't see what's coming up, mm. and like the bits in a sim, for example, are easy flat. Obviously, you you tend to be doing it in racing cars where this is a Golf R that we're driving, and you just don't know is it easy flat or do you need to breathe off the throttle a little bit? And if you if you don't breathe off and it's not flat, that's twenty six grand's worth of insurance excess that I've just not got. So it's was it nice only twenty six? Oh, well, that's not too bad. Well, it, <laughs> yeah, do it twice, but right. We all kind of got your car afterwards and went. That's the most reckless thing we've ever done. <laughs> yeah, Quick poll. Has, has anybody got 26 grand spare if they crash car? Not one hand was raised. <laughs> None of us had that money. And the guy saying to me, he's like, no, 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 aim for the barrier and then turn oh, yeah, and no, stay I wide. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, dude, I ain't got no money. I'm going tight. I don't care if it's slower <laughs> because that barrier is three foot away from me and I'm doing about 120 at the moment. So you're all right. I'll, I'll, I'll have an early apex. But that's, that's, a, that's a stupid thing. I think you're probably more likely to crash if you have an earlier apex. I think, you know, another thing I thought about afterwards in the, in the calm of yeah. the... Of the, well, that was the other thing. We had, you know, a bunch of us did it. So we had a good hour and a half stood around at, at RSR, um, sort of debriefing ourselves. And there was a lot of uh, quite sage, uh, timely thoughts that came about amongst the group, uh, which might have been because they, they gave us all a beer at the end as well, which was really nice. I think I, I came to the experience. No, I, I think I, to start with, I thought that was good customer service. But then I came to the conclusion, actually, they're giving you a beer because it's getting towards the end of the day. And if you have a beer, then you can't get back in the car. Yeah. <laughs> That's their way of sending you on your way, which I thought was... Uh, which is a great way to do, which is so yeah. much better than, right, cheers, boys, get gone. It's like, now oh, for sure. now yeah. go. <laughs> but they were great, weren't they, though? The whole RSR experience, the whole, like, they've got, like, for anybody who's not been, they've got their own kind of uh, garage and officers and briefing lounge and stuff that's set in a really nice, just at the foot of the castle, so you can see that in the background. You can see, you can walk probably, I don't know, uh, 200 yards down the field, and then you're at the bridge at the start of the, of the lap. Uh, so a bit of a spectating view that we didn't get a chance to do this year. But it's just the whole experience of you feel like you're doing something a little bit special. And then, I don't know about you, Chris, but I've not driven left-hand drive before. So no. driving on the track, <laughs> I was happy with. But driving to the track was hair-raising. It's like this is all the wrong way around. I, uh, I had a look back at uh, when I was looking at my lap, I realized that I was getting much closer to the... Uh, uh, the lines on on one side of the car than on the other. You know, there's an extra sort of twelve inches or so on uh, on the left hand yeah. side of the track than there was on the right. Uh, which again, yeah, no, we we used to driving right hand drive, so that is what it is. Um, anyway, we've uh, we we've gone off topic there, uh, which is probably quite likely. 
So I think we covered pretty much everything we can about Paul Ricard and then the Nordschleife, which is situated right in the middle of the south of France, as everyone knows. Let's yeah. let's talk about Spa. Bit bit of a bit of an interesting weekend. It was forty degrees. It was forty yeah. degrees. It was forty degrees driving across France to get there. And then by the end of the weekend, it was 17 degrees and raining sideways. I feel like we sort of got got the most out of the weather at Spa. Like, I think it were, I'm sure it were you that said it when we were there. I would have been annoyed if we'd have gone to Spa and it had been dry. Yeah, because oh, yeah, that's yeah. not a Spa experience. So, yeah, it were cool to get the best of both worlds, I think, weren't it? It was quite nice that uh, the, I think the race was uh, red flagged for about four hours during the night, which just happened to coincide with the bit of time we went home and got some uh, some sleep at the hotel. So, <laughs> it was nice of them really to... well, actually. Yeah, yeah it did. They, they, they catered planning. well for us. So... We were the esports park was up on the roof of the the F1 pit lane. Obviously, they use both pit lanes at Spa and pretty much any other bit of room they can get to cram some GT yeah. cars into. Wow, I mean, it, if you ever go to the 24 Hours of Spa, guys, and, and you should because it's just ridiculous. Uh, pay for a paddock pass. I think it was about 60 euros. It's quite it's quite expensive, but equally, getting in and amongst all of that was just it's great. I mean, I, I I enjoy being in a paddock anywhere, but Spa, seventy five cars, wasn't it? Or seventy three cars this year. Yeah. Seventy three teams plus all the Super Trofeo and the the Porsche Cup stuff with oh the new nine three five GT two car and oh, yeah, there was plenty to see. And I would definitely advise anyone that can that can stretch the extra bit to get a paddock pass should do so. Uh, man, I'm shilling for people tonight. If we were pimp- right. Pimping the this, this is a paid broadcast. This one, it's sponsored. Sell out, sell out. <laughs> well, I was trying to sell Kunos DLC, some uh, ring rides with RSR, and uh, and now paddock passes for SRO. I think uh, on balance, SRO probably owes me more money than I owe SRO. So uh... <laughs> nothing, nothing if not diverse. That's all good stuff. But I must admit, though, I I cannot agree more with the whole uh, get a paddock pass if you can. Uh, thing because what blew me away Chris like an observation about that was it's like a little village inside the paddock I mean I've been at paddocks predominantly in in British circuits Uh, so like Donington's my local and my favourite and when you say paddock it is a cafe some (laughs) buildings and a whole expanse of tarmac but on in Spa, it was split on three or four different levels. There was some really awesome old school, like very stereotypical Belgium architecture, Belgian architecture even for the area. Beautiful. Uh, it was just, it, were, it were attractive in its own right, weren't it? Not yeah. to mention the fact that every now and again you had to step aside for a Honda NSX GT3 to wheel its way past you. <laughs> that's that's no bad thing. But it was just it were a really gorgeous place and a really exciting place to be part of and. It's massive, but every square inch is crammed full of transporters, busy people. And it's just, I was quite satisfied to not walk around the track and just soak up the paddock. Amazing, amazing place, amazing feeling. And for 24 hours, really, man, you need it, don't you, to try and break it up a little bit. Yeah, I quite liked, uh, given the weekend it was, having access to an air-conditioned bar as well for uh, 
the odd uh, little sit down. That was quite quite enjoyable. Oh, I've still I've still got a beer ah. token in my wallet. So for one euro fifty, which is a euro saving, <laughs> you too can have a drinks code token. So just hit me up, anybody who wants it, and it's one euro fifty plus P and P, and you too can have a beverage <laughs> of Paul Jeffrey of Race Department. At the 2019 24 hours of spa, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm hoping. I'm assuming it's year round, so I'm assuming that will that will get you a fine beverage at any uh, grade B or grade A racing event at Spa Frank's shop. <laughs> well, well, there's it's only not, one way to find out. Here and hope and pray we get into the season. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, we as I was saying, we were up on the top of the F1 pit building, which uh, doesn't have sides. I think would probably be the best way to describe it. Which, when there's nothing running, is fantastic. You've got this gorgeous view of of Eau Rouge and Radion on one side. You look over to the other side, and you've got the run up the hill through Blanchemont to the bus stop chicane. I mean, if you're a racing fan, it's a fantastic place to be. If you're a broadcaster, it was <laughs> challenging, I think would be fair to say, Paul. I've learned lip reading on the fly because <laughs> if anybody watches our broadcast of the race and wonders why we kind of like Chris ask a question and I give him a completely like <laughs> random answer, it's because I've got no idea what he said. It's just, Chris, how you doing? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Really loud. Like louder than because of how it works, as you say, there's no sides. It's a mostly metal corrugated sheet building uh the sound just comes in ping ping pings around and then ping ping pings around some more it doesn't go anywhere so it just stays <laughs> and yeah it, it just imagine imagine getting like a 1968 ford mustang or something going into a tunnel with just with a brick wall at the end and a tunnel and then revving it up and then bringing 4,000 other 1968 Mustangs and revving them up and then trying to have a conversation with somebody 12 feet away. <laughs> That's what it was like. But well, it, it was, the, it was the problem, uh, you're right, because under racing conditions, it was just moderately deafening. But <laughs> during the, it was during the full course yellow periods when you'd have 70 plus GT3 cars going past, plus the safety car, uh, <laughs> On the pit limiter, or on the speed limiter, whatever code sixty yeah. they were at, or whatever, and it takes about two and a half minutes for seventy plus GT three cars to go past at that speed, and they're just as loud on the limiter as they are, and they just sound more obnoxious as well. So it, it's they best of both worlds. So yeah, no, that was a that was a challenge, but we got well, through it. it. And it, it I was going to say, as a reward for that, to say. we do. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to keep talking. Otherwise, I'll, I'll set you off on a question, and I won't get a word in edgeways for ten minutes. <laughs> I know. How this We're so works. much better at commentating together than we are talking together. <laughs> that's anyway, uh, carry on. That's carry on. accurate. Yeah, um, I now can't remember what I was going to say. It's gone. A reward. A reward for the loud noise. Oh, we were rewarded uh, by getting our first opportunity to commentate on some real world live motorsport. But in a in what is a, a beautiful metaphor for our year, I think, Paul, we got the opportunity, but every time they cut to the footage for us to commentate on, it was under full course yellow. <laughs> that was so unlucky. It was. We were buzzing, weren't we? We're oh, like, like bump fists and everything. It's, oh, man, this is a dream come true. We're both Blank Pad GT Series fans. It's like, I can't believe this. This is like, how amazing. Oh, we're going to cut to race. Um... Yeah, I don't know what happened up to this point. All I know is the cars are driving really slowly. <laughs> uh, 
don't really know what running order is either. So we are pined yeah. on some some barrier repairs for about five minutes. That was uh... that's, that's true. That is that can go in the CV. That that we have <laughs> yeah. we have broadcast to thousands of people, construction workers <laughs> <laughs> repairing a, a a sheet of metal. Yay! Yeah, that were a bit that didn't quite pan out like we hoped it would, but it was still cool. It was still what? cool to do it. Oh, no, definitely. I, yeah, I, I still count it. It's definitely going in my show reel. I mean, I'm not showing the oh, yeah. show reel to anyone, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's just for me. Uh, something else that was quite, quite fun actually, and I think you remarked at the time. It's a shame we couldn't film it. Is we got sat down, we got we got to sit down with a beer with both Aris and JF from Sector Three. Uh, while they were talking sim physics and uh, just just the sim racing uh, world of sim racing in general, and yeah, man, that was a that was a fun conversation to be uh, to be a part of. And I want to get those two in a room uh, with a camera on them and hope they'll be as sort of candid because they're both great personalities. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's clearly never going to happen. In fact, uh, I don't think even Aris will, will come on here and talk to me. Uh, I, I'm I'm saying that publicly to to get people to pressure him because uh, he needs to he needs to um, anyway no uh, just hearing two uh, people so heavily involved in sim racing physics discuss some of the finer points of it was uh, that was pretty uh, pretty enlightening I thought and uh, now I realise yeah. I've gone into that there's not too much I think we can say about that well I mean for me it's just kind of we both. I'm sure you do it. I know I certainly do. Have to kind of check yourself after a while and just sort of appreciate the position that we're in. We're lucky enough to be in because we both love sim racing. And you kind of become a little bit blasé about the fact that you can speak to the Arises, uh, JFs, uh, Marcos, or basically anybody, pretty much, that's anybody in sim racing. You can get in touch with them quite quickly, have a conversation, shoot them a question, meet them, talk to them, share a beer, share a laugh. And we get used to it because we've done it for so long that it's not a biggie. But I can still remember my very first interview was with JF, actually, funnily enough, uh, Sector 3, a few years ago. And you think, up to the point of doing what I do now and you, Chris, do what you do now, these guys are like the Toto Wolf and Frank Williams <laughs> of the world. Do you know what I mean? They're, yeah, yeah, they're the yeah. people that make the stuff happen that we spent thousands of pounds on kit and <laughs> thousands and thousands of hours to maximize and enjoy. And it's, it's always a pleasure to talk mm. to them. But when you see, like you said, those two people together, that it's a bit of a moment where if, if you're not involved as heavily as we are, it's kind of like a bit of like, whoa, that's a legendary moment. I mean, we had it uh, last year, Sim Racing Expo, uh, we did the dev dinner, and uh, we had... Uh, Marcel was an amazing guy. Marcel Offerman's from 397. Uh, Chris Elliott from 397. Marco Davide from Kunos. Uh, Renato, another top guy from uh, Riser Studios for Auto Blister. I just see them all together. And the camaraderie and the fact that they just... It doesn't sound like they will be when you look at them, when you put them on a pedestal as these legendary devs. They're just exactly the same as us. There's guys that happen to be a bit more techie than we are and happen to have their resource behind them to be able to form a company. But for the most part, they're not setting up these studios to shift units. 
they're setting up these studios because yeah. they want a really, really good sim. And All they can of those do guys it, so, you yeah. mentioned in particular are massive, and I don't think anyone will be offended by this, but massive racing nerds. Not one of those yeah. guys is anything other than exactly as passionate as you or I, Paul, or 99.9% yeah. .9 of the audience watching this. So uh, that, 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 I mean, I think that uh, getting into this side of things, the more sort of journalistic side of things, that's one of the things that's been most most nice actually about getting to uh, to spend more time with, with a lot of these devs is realizing just how pure their yeah. sort of want uh, reasons for doing this are uh you know i i, I can't speak for for some other sims but the, the ones we've spoken about and the people you've spoken about there in particular uh when i've met them i've just they don't care about anything other than sim racing i'm sure they have outside pursuits and families and stuff but when they're in a room with a sim racer they're never going to mention any of them <laughs> <laughs> that is like and the thing is, I mean, I shall not name names, but uh, I spoke to our dev once, and they were telling me about this awesome new thing they're developing. I, I, honestly, it's come out now, so it's not a secret thing. I cannot remember at all what it was, but it was something really, really nerdy. Uh, that well, I, I really don't know what it were, which is a shame because it kind of spoils the whole story. But uh, <laughs> they were doing something that's like this super, super realistic bit of physics modeling type thing, and I said like. Well, why are you doing that for? Because most people won't appreciate it or even know it's there and it's not going to drive any sales. No one's going to buy the sim because they've got it. And they just looked at me and went, well, because it makes it more realistic. Why else would we do it? <laughs> and that's what I love. They're not doing, they're not bolting some shiny, happy, happy, sparkly, sparkly type thing to it in the expectation that if we spend X amount of money doing this, we'll receive Y amount of money, income or something. They just do it because, well, if somebody buys it, great. But if they don't, it's the most realistic we can make it. And that goes back to the beginning of this broadcast where we were saying about a golden period. It really is because you've got people that, I mean, Renato, I'm sure Renato Simeone from Riser Studios does not know how to sell something because he gives it all away he does loads of stuff and never charges it's for funny it, it's funny you say that paul because that's exactly what i was because not specifically about renato but so none of these guys are really in it to, to turn a profit no. and you can tell that from some of the business decisions uh, you know, yeah, you actually, you know the, yeah. the amount they do give away for free uh, and to the point where i think it actually sometimes becomes expected I had a couple of guys uh uh, talking uh, in the comments on Twitter and someone on my Discord mentioning that, oh, it's a shame that the, the new DLC for ACC isn't going to be free. And I'm like, do you have any idea how much it costs to license that stuff, let alone actually develop all the content for it? So, no way, no. Uh, but that's that's the problem. So few, so many of these companies are given so much stuff away for free that I, I guess people sort of expect it a little bit. I mean, I have no idea how any of the devs we've been talking about here make any money whatsoever. And that's the thing, and it, and it comes through as passion projects. Mm. They are just, I mean, I, mean, I hope they make money, but they're definitely not buying helicopters and planes. No, they probably, man. to be fair, you could probably make more money than most of devs do with a semi-decent middle management job in an office. The, it's not fortunes, but they're doing something they absolutely adore. They're doing something they believe in, something that brings pleasure to them. They can scrape by and make enough money to pay the bills and have some spends and share it with the world. And I think it upsets me sometimes when I see the barrages of criticism some people give for some of these things. Develop when the sim doesn't come out release day, absolutely pucker. But then they develop it for the next five years and people kind of forget that AC were a train wreck. AC was exactly, exactly, yeah. 
and people hold it up on a pedestal now as something amazing. Well, GTR 2 came out, it only had two patches. The tech is so different. The detail <laughs> yeah. and level is so different. I don't want, personally, here's some controversy for you. Uh, click my eight. I don't want a sim to come out today and it'd be finished and perfect. And I've got what I've got and I play with it and so I don't want to play it anymore. I love the fact that R Factor 2 was something once upon a time and it's something completely different now. And then I see the change, I get excited. I read what they've done and the direction of travel they've taken. Sometimes I agree, sometimes I disagree with it. But how fundamentally something can improve. GameStop Car is the best mm. one. GameStop Car was solid in its own right. Turned into GameStop Car Extreme, solid again. Turned into Autumn Blister 2, which they, uh, 1, sorry, which they didn't charge for, but people still had issue that they sell in the same game three times. But they only charge for it once, so they're not. They're just rebranding yeah. it. Uh, anywho, uh, but AMS, uh, now it's pretty much finished, barring a hot fix, is a completely different kettle of fish. It's oh, so much sure, deeper. Yeah. And that's not just content. Content I don't care about. It's just the depth of the physics. And they've, they've turned our factor one. Basically, there's, there's marbles. There's a live track to some sort of degree. You've got the turbo lag and modeling. I think Chassis Flex, is it, Chris? I think, is it now? I think so, yeah. Tons of stuff that 90% of people don't care about, and the brake temperatures and brake fade. And I'll, I mean, this is I love this the allocation of tyre sets, which is yeah, something yeah. people so overlook all the time. Uh, they've even got, I remember reading once that on some of the tracks, they've got like aircraft and whatnot flying over, and it's the proper flight pad for that time <laughs> of day, so that's flying the right way. I love tackle like that. That's that's my bag, big time. I and quite enjoyed that... uh, the first time I drove the uh, the Donington Park mod uh, for a Seto Corsa, having the uh, the 737 or whatever flying out of uh, flying out of the, uh, the old Midlands Airport. There, I think that's uh, yeah, that was a moment, and it, it comes from the right place. So it's certainly not on the right flight pattern. That it's not. I mean, that's, I guess, why a mod for a set of Corsa is never going to be at, at riser level because it's not no. got that attention to detail in the flight. But maybe it does. I love. Maybe maybe I've never noticed it. Maybe it does. It could do. I mean, I've, I've been a while since I've been on Bruns Donington, but it does, I mean, I know Donington really, really well. Mm. They do look pretty, pretty reasonable, the direction that they're going and stuff. So maybe it does, but like with AMS, they have stuff like that. They have things like you can see uh, service vehicles on the access road on some of the tracks. Mm. So is it, uh, what's the one that came to our factor two? Was it Cascavel? Was that one room or Campo Grande? I can't remember. Yeah, I know the, I know one, the one you're talking yeah. about. And I was coming into T1, the left-hander, and I crashed. So what's that? And there's another service vehicle driving down the access <laughs> road. I mean, that's the stuff that's not going to sell a single copy bar. It's not going to sell the DLC, but that took some time and effort and some brain power to make that happen because it just adds immersion. And really, I know that's a visual immersion, which is different to what we were talking about with physics and whatnot. But the point is, the, the point remains the same. They go to that extra length to bring something awesome to stuff we love with absolutely no expectation <laughs> of having a financial payoff for it. And actually, I didn't even pay for that DLC because I backed them years ago <laughs> i get everything for nothing even oh, stuff exactly, i didn't yeah. actually expect to get so uh brings it around quite nice to that doesn't it but yeah it's funny you should mention that you like uh the fact that the you know quite a lot of these sims i think 
you know, R-Factor is a good example. So is AMS, but also Race Room and Assetto Corsa as well with the way things are developed through the game and then the mod community, that they are an evolving process. Not only... I mean, I've got two perspectives on this. One, just as a player, I like the fact that something new comes along and they, oh, they've changed the way this, the tire model works, or they've changed the way that, uh, you know, the gearbox modeling works, or, or, or whatever. That gives me another reason to go and reevaluate it and replay yeah. perhaps the same content that may have been getting stale uh, through uh, completely new eyes. And, and I also have that as a, as a content creator as well. So, I, you know, I, I struggle to use the word journalist because I think uh, it's a bit ideas above my station but you know I, I also have the certainly the ability to go and look at it from that perspective as well so like with Assetto Corsa for example just you know they developed that game for four years and then said well we've done what we can do with it let's 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 move on and make something else but then the mod community was just like okay well let's see how far we can take this and I just Assetto Corsa in 2019 is not what Assetto Corsa was in late uh 2017 was it when they released laguna saker and said right that's that's it for now boys we're gonna go and work on something else and that game was nothing like the original release version as as you alluded earlier so i i quite i i I totally agree with you paul you said it was going to be a controversial point of view i also i also don't want a sim race uh, sim racer a sim developer to release a finished products half finished stuff with uh, with lots of ideas still left in the notebook that they haven't they haven't quite got around to implementing in the way they want uh, is is good for me. And it's exciting because it continues to push the boundaries of what's possible. Because, like I say, I dare say some of the things that have happened with AC One uh, in terms of what the devs have done probably weren't even on the radar in 2013 mm. when it came out because techs moved forward or understanding and your workflows have improved and all that jazz. So essentially, when the finished product race one finishes, that becomes the gold standard of the minimum the next sim should be expected to deliver. And then that next sim, which will be AMS2 probably, in terms of like for like, uh, will probably have the vast majority of what AC1 had as standard. And then the next three-year cycle, they'll grow into something completely new and different, and that'll become the new standard. So by 2026, 2027, when you've got AC3 or 4 or whatever, or AMS3, we'll have moved on so much more than, let's compare it to the FIFA series, where it's broadly (laughs) the same thing in new clothes and a couple of little superficial things. So that's what I love about it, that we're day in, day out, getting closer and closer to the, the sort of, the panacea or what it wants to be, then the ultimate it can be at technology levels that we live at today. But then in five years' time, when the physics have improved, the tech will have improved as well and we'll have even shinier, more realistic graphics, VR headsets that you can see more than five feet in front of you, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, Steering I mean, wheels, so... even more expensive and powerful. <laughs> I hope so. I, um, I A couple of little points to pick up there. I, I went down to the, uh, the Robo Race factory uh, in in Banbury oh, nice. on on Monday, uh, and had a bit of a tour around that, uh, which was nice. Get to have a look at some cars. Uh, two things. Uh, this wasn't what I was going to bring up. To start with these cars. Cars. Yeah. Well, what uh, autonomous you, vehicles? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. They call now. They call it Robocar. Uh, so it's a car. It's Don't definitely they? a car. Yeah. Uh, well, and the uh, the Devbot one that a human being can drive, which they do for sort of uh, 
optimization and testing and feedback and stuff based on a, a LMP3 chassis. So that's definitely a definitely a car. Anyway, the point I was going to make is there are a bunch of uh, different robotic arms there. You know, proper industrial. You know, uh, chop you in half kind of car assembly type robotic arms. And it was just like watching a hall of fame of different. Uh, direct drive wheel motors all hanging off of this side of this there's, there's the one i got for my simu cube there's uh sort of for the uh uh the simu cube and there's the the midge motors on some of them and i just I thought oh i'm home <laughs> yes nice how the two worlds collide but they were using yeah. uh they were using r factor pro in in their sim which was nice so uh it's nice to see drive. I, and that way it's not on that no they were using uh it was being used remotely from uh they've got several bases around so i've got to watch someone else drive it but um yeah it would, it would have been interesting to see i got i got i got some sort of footage of the guy talking about the sim and how they use it and uh how they've integrated lidar in the sim itself yeah that's quite interesting they've got uh, they've got they've developed their own plugin to put lidar on the car within the sim so the car can visualize itself within the sim and do object detection and all of that which i thought oh yeah there's some there's some good sim racing implications isn't it you know yeah skynet just gets closer and closer <laughs> every day don't uh, this is it's scary what you can do nowadays man seriously it's we've just mind-blowing so this far conversation the, five years ago yeah i know we've gone so far off the the beaten track but that's good that's what i wanted from this because i knew that chris you've known me since april why did you even bother putting an agenda <laughs> together you know it's not gonna happen man there's no agenda i just wanted i what i thought i'd do is we'd loosely talk through the sro esports series and the, the events uh and that would just be a nice jumping off point for stories and it's worked <laughs> worked beautifully uh we haven't even had to talk about um the hotel we were at in belgium where uh there wasn't any power when we turned up when steve turned up uh at one o'clock in the morning uh we had to apparently there's no one i've not had this and maybe people can help out in the comments is it common for hotels in europe not to be staffed at night Sorry, in continental Europe, I should say. Uh, this anybody, hotel, anybody. Yeah, there, there are no staff on site, so we have to call someone to get uh, to get checked in. And they may have had a drink or two before they before <laughs> they turned up, and they were not best pleased. Let's not get into that because I don't think we can tell the story the way it unfolded. Uh, so maybe, maybe Paul, uh, it wasn't full of flowers and butterflies. Let's put it that way. <laughs> It, I, it, I, it, it wasn't a wonderful scene from a child's storybook of how happy she was to accommodate our requests. I left with the uh, impression that we were perhaps not very welcome at the hotel. Yeah, I, I, I definitely read an undertone of that from what was said and happened, without a doubt. I may have left a review that used the, the words Basil Faulty. So, <laughs> which I thought was not unfair. Anyway, let's move on uh, to Nurburgring, where we were a couple of weeks ago um, for the SRO thing. Uh, but I think let's talk about Sim Racing Expo because I, I'd like your perspective on this. I don't think too many people have talked about this. I've not been before, but I've seen photos and, and watched other people's videos. A lot of people seem to have the impression this year that perhaps it didn't quite have the same uh, character to it that it perhaps has in the past. Yeah, Go on, I'm putting words in that. your I'm putting words in your mouth, but and the right words. I mean, it looked good from my point of view this year. Uh, and I'll caveat everything I'm going to say by the fact that we actually spent very little time, to be fair, in Expo because 
all other commitments, but it looked more professional than it has done before. Mm. So uh, I'm sure you've seen Chris's video. I hope you've seen mine as well, uh, our Instagram video. They've got the nice barriers up around it with all the logos and branding on and all that good stuff. So it kind of like contained it in a nice, neat way in the center of the exhibition suite, I suppose you'd call it. That looked really good, but it just sent a lot less uh, packed with different people this time. So but it was the I, it was the it was the stands rather than necessarily the sorry the exhibitors I should say rather than attendees yeah yeah, yeah that's sorry that's what I meant when people yeah the the exhibitors were in 2017 they're set to be a whole host some you've heard of some you've not everybody had a small amount of square footage because there were a lot going off in a small space but this year it seemed like all the exhibitors had quite a bit of real estate to the point where I think Masaro had a couple of settees laid out for the <laughs> seats, Chris. Seats, amazing. Uh, and everything, the exhibitors all run a much bigger scale. So uh, our friends over at Wave Italy, they had two of their awesome uh, formal oh, the style seater, car single, yeah, rigs. The Sims, they're amazing. Yeah. They were absolutely But that's, that's the thing, isn't it, Paul? If you wanted to, if you wanted to check out motion rigs or the market of motion rigs, Sim Racing Expo was excellent this year. Yeah. If you took away all the motion rigs from it, you were left with uh, Fanatec, pretty much, and, yeah. uh, and Studio 397, I think. You know. Well, that's the thing. There was very little developers. I mean, first mm. time I went, there were a lot of devs there. I think Renato and Chris were there, but we missed him. We didn't see ah, him. He okay. were, it didn't have an exhibition, but he were visiting. But there were not much dev. Uh, like iRacing were there at a good size, uh, good size stand. They did, yeah. But I think they've missed the trick in that it's all big money gear mm. and we said this to mark Enrique who runs it in 2017 there's nothing for your mom and dad and kid scenario where the unique thing about expo is it's based at a racetrack popular racetrack and a popular race event and some a lot of the audience i mean we saw a lot of faces that we knew so a lot of the audience are simmers that have come specifically for it but a good portion of that is people that have come with a family and the youngsters they've watched the motor racing they're having a look around, maybe gone for a bite to eat, and they'll stumble into this. And I, potentially, they've seen sim racing for the very first time, or they've seen more detail than they've ever seen about what it's all about. And I'm a bit upset that if you go in there, if I went in there with my son, and it was five, and we'd not seen sim racing before, I'd walk in and go, oh, this is amazing, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> oh, God, I need 30,000 euros to get in the door. No, thank you and then carry on. And it's not that. I've talked about it on loads of different medium before. You can have fun with a 500 euro setup. And when I say 500 euro, I mean your PC, your wheel, your pedals, your monitor, what? 500 quid, you can go out, you can get online, your graphics will be low down and your stuff will not be the highest end. But you can go and have a hot race with somebody and have time of your life. Just as much fun as if you've got 50,000 euros worth of gear and all the full motion stuff. But don't get me wrong, we love it. And and I suppose a lot of people watching or listening today will, will spend some of their, or a lot of their disposable income <laughs> in getting more immersive gear because that's what we do with boys and toys. But you don't have to. And it kind of, the message that the Expo gave for me was this is a high-end expensive yeah. hobby. And that worries me that that turns off newcomers because... Gateway, I had a Logitech G25 that cost me 100 quid, I think it were. Gateway drug. I had it for years. It ran faultlessly. I still got it in loft in case I'm in a, in a real pickle and need a wheel. And 
you get the 100 quid one because that's what you can afford. And then over time, you upgrade to whatever you upgrade to if, if you do upgrade. Uh, showing people the £3,000 direct drive wheel and Porsche steering wheel is nice, but dad and son and mum, for example, are going to walk in there and go, whoa, whoa, that's not for us that. Just move swiftly on and that's missing a trick, I think, a little bit. It's, uh, yeah, I, I, there's, uh, also alongside that uh, is there wasn't a, you know, there wasn't really anything for the public to get involved with. I mean, uh, there was stuff going on in the race room cafe, but that's there all all the time. But they've upgraded their rigs to like full motion yeah, and have, everything yeah. else. No, funny you should mention that. But uh, yeah, you're right. There's there there are a, a limited number of points to entry into sim racing, uh, and I think you know you've got games like uh, the Codemaster stuff, which provides a, a great gateway yeah. drug. Uh, you know, I went to the. I think I mentioned uh, earlier, and the audience will know, I went to the grid launch thing uh, on whenever the hell that was last week, Thursday, uh, in Stratford, which was exciting. Uh, that was... Uh, Stratford. That's Stratford. very... No, uh, not Stratford-on-Avon. Very just exotic. Stratford, yeah. Just Stratford. Uh, I, don't mind, I don't mind Stratford. It's not too bad, but the 37-mile journey home took me four hours. <laughs> oh, man. Man. The, yeah, the M25. But anyway, no I've already complained about the UK. Yeah, I know. I've already complained about that on video before, so let's not put my audience through that again. Um, anyway, yeah, just there are a limited number of the points of entry. There's pe- there's websites like Race Department, which I think you know if you're searching for race uh, sim racing stuff, you're going to stumble across it. Uh, and you know, you guys have a pretty balanced uh, approach to what you're covering. Not too much kit stuff. You've got sim racing channels. And you've got uh, people like, you know, uh, Jimmy and Gamer Muscle and myself and people like that. We're all racing on high end hardware. So that's not a great that's not a great advert. There are obviously channels that are racing on lower end hardware. But uh, yeah, no, I think uh, I think you're right. Those channels tend to be stuff that people are already aware of the niche and already interested going into. I think that this is like uh, where I describe it is kind of like we're all our own little shop that we're all in our own little field. So people who know where it is will go in that field to your shop because they like what you're selling. But actually, we need to be a high street where people who've gone for something completely different stumble across some racing and can be exposed to it. Race department, as you say, massive website. But you're not going to bump into race department. You're going to find it if you're looking for something in that. All the different influencer videos are the same thing. And the Sim Racing Expo is one of the only places because you can't even... You can't even compare it to game fairs because game fairs are still a niche thing for Mm. gamers have gone there whereas we always say like i always believe every sim racer probably give or take is a motorsport fan and most motorsport fans are potential sim racing fans so that's like the only crossover place i know of the expo where motorsport fans who don't know what sim racing is who were me back in the day pcs not for me uh could be exposed to it and we're turning them off straight away by showing them a hundred thousand euro formula one car on motion which is awesome but no one's going to put that in the pocket and go i'll have to do that for my son <laughs> Unless... Lance, Lance Stroll's already in formula one so he's not interested <laughs> and oh Ow. That was uh, so, uh, low-hanging fruit, isn't it? That's the problem. It were, weren't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You give me bullets, and don't expect me not to shoot. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's it's a shame. I think it is a shame. But uh, maybe well, in I think there's a nice segue there, Paul, into into my final topic. Uh, the first segue of the of the video has yeah. worked. <laughs> <laughs> is that another gateway or a gateway that's emerging? 
uh, between uh, motorsports and and sim racing is esports. Obviously, we have been involved in that in quite a direct way this year. Uh, and one of the things we keep coming back to is that sim racers don't seem massively excited about esports yet. And yeah, there's there's some there's some work that I think we as an industry need to do, and people like Paul and myself need to do as Oh god, I'm going to use the term again. Journalists in the in this medium, uh, I can't call I can't call us that. Sorry, Paul. We, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's technically true, but I I just can't. Uh, I, I I don't want to feel like I'm getting too big for my boots. We can't be journalists because we've got morals and scruples. That <laughs> so, was not that was not where I was going no. with that. But uh, so we can't possibly be. I can still look at myself in the mirror and feel happy. <laughs> so I'm not a journalist. <laughs> oh well, uh, we were coming at that from very different angles, Paul. Anyway, so yeah, esports, particularly in in sim racing, is still in its infancy. So to round this out with uh, a bit of nice blue sky thinking, what would you like to see change about racing esports? between now when it's taking its little nascent first steps into the world and till 10 years time or 20 years time or whatever and we're all thinking oh god this is this is a juggernaut we're we're you know why, why have we done this dude that's like a really big question to give me <laughs> with no pre-warning uh, i think for me i'm going to start with a flaw but then turn it into a positive I think the fundamental flaw with eSport at the moment might explain why people are taking a while to tune in, I'm not sure, is it's geared towards the aliens, the absolute top-class drivers. Now, they're either top-class because they've got natural talent, obviously. Everybody's got natural talent to be that level, of course. They've got capacity to dedicate time and energy into practicing and at the moment because esport feels like it's professionalizing a little bit more now or starting that journey then we're getting like professional esport drivers that have been paid to to, to do this so they're obviously their time is then becoming even larger amounts of time to practice which is bringing the differential between the pros that are doing it for a living and really getting in seat time compared to the people that are naturally talented but are doing it in an evening after they've worked fitting it in between work and family that's getting larger so we're getting even more focused on uh the real real high level stuff so the likes of uh, you and i although I'm, I'm casting no aspersions on your ability to drive quickly the likes of you and i are probably not going to enter a lot of these esport competitions because i know full well i'm not going to be in the top percentile mm -hmm. because i haven't got the time or the skill or the dedication for it. And I don't know whether, and I'm, I can't speak for the eSport viewing audience, I don't know whether that's a turn on or a turn off for them. Are they watching it because, hey, these are people with a skill level I'll never ascertain and that's impressive, or they're not engaging with it because they think, well, yeah, I can't get involved in this. And eSport's one of those, not like Formula One where you you can't go buy a Formula One car, but <laughs> you can participate in esports at a, a wide variety of entry points, but cost-wise. So, I'd like to see esports evolve into. There is a place for the legends and the aliens, but I'd like to see a place for the everyman as well. I'd like to see slightly more, or every woman, or every whatever. I'd like to see more engage into a broader spectrum of people, uh, and make both from a, a televised or streamed or whatever casting perspective 
and also from a participation perspective as well, even if it doesn't get a shop window that we get in the SRO series or the world's fastest gamer or whatever the NASCAR Heat 4 esports series has been. It's, yeah, I just think opening it up to a wider audience, I would like to see. And from in terms of what I'd like it to be in 10 years' time, I'd like to see more channeling of getting people to drive like Kevin Frenchick does. <laughs> sensible, taking away the, putting some more jeopardy into it. So I'd like Steve, uh, who's with us on the SRO series, has spoken about this times many, but I'd like to see 100% one-for-one realism in damage. So a light piece of contact will have a consequence that takes you out of a race, which means some of the driving quality will improve because at the moment you can dive bomb and depending on your sim and your look, the net code I save you and you'll dive on the other car, pings off the track and you're okay. Or you can hit a wall at high speed and even with higher damage levels in most sims, you can probably still limp back to the pits or even drive on uh, unhindered. And uh, I think if you had a smallest amount of contact means game over, people would drive differently. And I think the quality of the racing would improve because more respect would be fostered through each driver throughout the levels. We get it at the pros anyway. They've got that respect. But Across the board in sim racing and lower level esports stuff. I don't think that exists. And that kind of becomes a frustration if you've put in 3,000 kilometers testing and then you get took out. Where crashes happen in motorsport when you have to get took out because somebody's just not being respectful enough and they're living in the virtual world and doing something stupid. It's quite difficult to tolerate as a competitor. A very comprehensive answer, given that I put you on the spot. Uh, I, I, I completely agree. Uh, interestingly, um, I had a message from James Parker today, who uh, took place uh, took part in the uh, the Nurburgring round. And if you remember, he got hit multiple times by the same guy who was still waiting to serve uh, a drive through penalty. Yeah. And it was just, it was messy uh, and upsetting and, and annoying to see at a professional level. And James is a guy who was an AM driver. He literally qualified uh, through the online system, turned up there, having never done an esports event, acquitted himself absolutely brilliantly in both yeah. races, narrowly missed out, uh, missed out on in that second race, almost certainly because of those contacts. And, you know, you have to feel for the guy. Um, uh, the reason he reached out was because uh, I'm going to try and get him to to come here. And uh, we had some great conversations about, uh, like, setting up cars in a set of course of competizione and, and getting the most out of them. And I think we'd like to, I'd like to do a video with him and uh, get cool. his perspective on it. So uh, hopefully we're going to get that sorted out in the next few weeks. That's a conversation I've got to have when we finish this recording. So I thought I'd introduce <laughs> the audience. It's nice to softly introduce these ideas to the audience. So by the time they come around, they're just like, well, this is a good idea. Yeah. Plant the seed. Paul, uh, one thing I would like to talk about is going off the thing. The final thing I'd like to talk about, uh, the actual final thing, not the last final thing, which was a lie as it turned out. Um, I'd like to talk about just RD a little bit because there's there's a few things I've learned uh, from uh, spending time with you and Bram and, and Steve and <laughs> Ricardo and everyone else this year. Uh, I don't mean about you all as human beings. I think uh, I, won't share, I, won't, I won't share any of that. But I think despite being a pretty heavy user of RD for years and, and having known about it from, for years before that, I wasn't really aware of, about the scale uh, of race department. If you go and look on the front page at the moment, you guys have got about 950,000 subscribers. 
There's 950,000 people have signed up for an account on race department. That's mental for sim racing. I mean, that's completely nuts. Bram, I can't remember if it was you or Bram were telling me that you've got three or four million unique users a month. That's three or four million unique, different, unique, different people. Yeah. Quality sentence, Chris. That's, that's, it's, 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 it's wordage like that is the reason what they got you to do the commentary thing on the, the races <laughs> on the internet that you've been doing this annual year, Chris. Yeah, quality. Nice play, nice play, nice play. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so, uh, yeah, three or four million unique users each month. God knows how many people that don't sign up for an account. The sec- According to the, your Alexa rank, you're one of the biggest motorsport websites in yeah. Europe, how the hell is sim racing so big? Or how the hell are there so many people that are interested in sim racing? Where are they all? I I honestly think it's just a human nature. Mm. You get the the noise. It's go. been it's, it's been quite word. a long quite a long recording session, I've, Paul. Seriously, I've come straight from I've come straight from work. <laughs> I've got changed. I've come up here. I, I've had a cup of tea. I'm so needing a dinner. I've not eaten since like I've not eaten. What time is it? Ooh, not eaten for twelve hours. Uh, the the people that are most vocal are the people that've got an axe to grind or something they're upset about, something they want to uh, vocalise their discontent about. But the happy people, the people that are like myself who really are, are, are more than happy with where sim racing is and are more than grateful for the good stuff, are too busy driving. Yeah. So they don't engage in the community stuff. They don't watch the YouTube videos. They don't comment on the articles because they're doing exactly what it is that we're talking about. And and, and that's human nature. I, I use this at work a lot. Uh, if you come to some traffic lights uh, at a busy junction and they go green and you set off and all cars are stopped and you drive through, you don't turn around and clap the traffic lights for a job well done. You just accept <laughs> it. But if you come and it turns green at the wrong time and you get hit, You'll be effing and blinding and gesticulating and telling all the world how garbage these traffic lights are. And a hobby like ours is very much the same, that people who are happy were loving. I mean, for example, uh, to keep it on topic of the SRO series, I've played ACC since it first came publicly available. I am lucky. I have not had a tenth of the problems mm-hmm. that people are reporting. No, I'm, I'm the same. It works yeah. as it should. We've talked about this many a time, haven't we, over a beer or a, a soft drink in various European places. It's worked great. So for me, I think it's an epic game, epic sim. Love it. But then I see all these people coming on and you see pages and pages of comments of this don't work, that's broken, this is iffy, that's weird. Uh, but you don't see, for every 200 people that have got this issue, you don't see the 15,000 people that went, turned yeah. it on, it were buzzing, had a rate good time, came off it, happy as Larry. Human nature, man, that's just people are busy doing what they're doing and maybe not engaging so much in the various different mediums that we've got around our, our wonderful, wonderful hobby. That's true. I just wanted to, I honestly just wanted to put that out there at the end because I don't think I've said in any videos as much, but RD is huge uh, and it's an absolute privilege for, for me to be involved with Maybe I could rephrase that. I was going to say involved with you guys, but that's probably... But to, uh, I'm we glad... shared a bed, though, Chris. We shared a bed. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, one of Good the, one of the real highlights of the year, Paul. Um, 
anyway i think on that note we should bring things to a close here paul stay on the i'm gonna we'll sign off we'll say goodbye to the viewers but stay on the call quickly just so we can say goodbye on our own special way thank you everyone for watching i hope i hope you've uh, stuck with us through what's been quite a long and meandering journey uh it's been a pleasure talking to you paul thank you very much for joining me man cheers mate really appreciate it and uh Keep up the good work. I'm enjoying, uh, enjoying Chris Hayson racing. And uh, <laughs> hello to everybody out there. So thanks for having me, dude. Cheers. All right. Thanks, everyone, for watching. And uh, I guess all that's left to say is goodbye. Thanks for watching and enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs>